hello that's rather dramatic isn't it my new intro i hope you like it um so today's show um is going to be absolutely fantastic we have got simon monkhouse who is a surgeon um and we have got so much to ask him so much to tell you and i hope it helps everybody out there with some questions that you may have we've actually got a few questions from some people to ask him so i'm going to bring him in now and and then get started so welcome simon monkhouse hello hello there hi there thanks for having how me how are on you the doing show. no thank you have yeah thank you very much been really pleased that you've come on no problem no i'm really well thank you i'm looking forward to taking all your questions good good well first of all if you could tell us about yourself that'd be great Okay, so I'm Simon Monkhouse. I'm a consultant weight loss surgeon uh, practicing in the southeast of England. Um, I've been a weight loss consultant surgeon for eight years now, um, and we've um, done 800 operations um, and also placed uh, 800 um, gastric balloons. Um, so it's a real passion of mine. Um, it's it's not just about a job. It's a it's a whole lifestyle. Um, the the thing that is wonderful about the specialty that I, I I do is that you get to see people change, not just after an operation, you know, one follow up and you're done. You get to see people change over, you know, essentially what is a lifetime. Uh, and that is hugely rewarding. And that's what drives me. Mm, yeah, no, it is awesome seeing. I, I see it myself. It's absolutely awesome. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you was why did you actually get into bar bariatric surgery rather than anything else? That, that's a really good question. I um, knew that I wanted to do surgery when I um, qualified from medical school. And um, I don't really know the reason why that happened, but I, I just generally found myself more excited by the surgical side of things rather than the sort of medical physician yeah. side of things. Yeah. Um, and then I did all my sort of basic training and general surgical training. Um, and my first uh, job as a registrar which is quite a senior um, training position if you like before consultant my first consultant um, who I worked with she did bariatric surgery and she was an absolute inspiration you know the way she um, talked to patients the way she understood the problem you know understood the the disease that is obesity mm. and the way that that translated into her care and you know the technical um, side of the operations being so complex and challenging it was just absolutely you know mm. as soon as I started working with her I was like I have to do bariatrics Inspired. and ever since and ever since the day I met her I've stayed in touch with her um, and you know we've worked together collaboratively and um, it's been wonderful and I've, I've never looked back you know bariatrics is is the specialty yeah. that I will yeah. I will I will retire on eventually oh fantastic yeah that's really good an inspiration um so what you have got lots of uh, accolades to your name yes yeah well we're, we've we've worked hard I, I i don't do anything in isolation you know i'm, I'm very much part of a team uh, and our team is is very well recognized um in the gastric balloon uh, side of things the alluring balloon we are the only uk center of excellence for the procedure um, and okay. that's down in no short part to the team around me um, mm. and you know we've got uh, the dietitians who are world class and we've got um, Sophie who, who's actually my wife and she she oh. runs 
runs that practice uh, and knows the, the the product inside out and she's been fully trained on it so we've got that accolade um we've got lots of patient experience awards we get a lot of um uh, accreditation for our, our patient experience um and and personally um throughout my training um i was trainee of the year twice um and uh hopefully that's continued on to consultant practice yeah oh that's great now you um specialize is it in the balloon uh, so we do weight loss surgery uh or sorry we do interventions for weight loss yeah uh, and that includes surgery and the gastric balloon so the balloon is not surgery but it's it's part of what we do right okay then and obviously you do other surgeries as well so yeah do... so we do um, gallbladder surgery we do um sleeve gastrectomy we do gastric bypass mm. um we we no longer do gastric band that seems to be a sort of historic operation now worldwide it it's, does it's, seem to be doesn't it, it i've heard that it, quite a lot actually yeah i mean the worldwide figures are now less than one percent of all weight loss procedures and and mm. most mm. countries around the world have uh, abandoned it and there, there are lots of reasons for that um and we could talk about that at another time but um yeah yeah and, and we i also do surgery for um heartburn anti-reflux surgery yes um, tell me about that well i mean that's, that's a lot of people get uh obviously the reflux not just um because of yeah. obesity but literally you know anybody i think lifestyle as well bad lifestyle you know drink and bad food and i mean the, the the reflux heartburn side of things is a bit like um you know patients who who live with obesity um in terms of there are lifestyle components that can be improved but mm. ultimately there's an underlying problem that is beyond the reach of most lifestyle mm. interventions so mm. for example um you know with reflux it's often because you have something called a hiatus hernia which is where your diaphragm has split apart and your stomach has gone up through the diaphragm. So we can, you know, you, you can cut out smoking, you can cut out drinking, you can eat a low calorie diet, but that's not going to correct the physical problem that mm. is the hiatus hernia. Um, so we do surgery for that. And the same, uh, you know, people living with obesity, you can do a low calorie diet, you can exercise more, you can eat smaller portions, but ultimately there's an underlying metabolic disease and that's not going to fix it. And that's where weight loss surgery really comes into its own is it, it can help fix the underlying metabolic disease. Mm, mm. Oh, okay. So, and then you operate obviously to the highest hernia and then the acid rough reflux will just literally go. Um, so there are two components to it. So you have mm. to recreate the anatomy back to uh, how it was attended and then mm -hmm. you have to create a valve like a one-way valve to allow food to go in but acid not to come up um, uh, so that's called a fundoplication which is where we wrap the stomach around itself so you right. close the hole yeah and you wrap, wrap the stomach around itself to create a valve so two parts oh, okay. to the operation because obviously with the sleeve lots of people get the acid reflux don't they why yes. is that why, why is that then? Well, good question. Uh -huh. A very good question. Um, so basically, uh, with a sleeve, you are changing your stomach, your big baggy sack of a stomach mm -hmm. into a tight tube. 
So the pressure within your big baggy sack of a stomach is low pressure. And then when you make a high, uh, a tight tube, you are suddenly creating a high pressure tube. So if you are already a little bit leaky at the top end of your stomach mm -hmm. into your esophagus under low pressure, when you put that under high pressure, you're going to leak more, which makes therefore sense. makes you more vulnerable to acid reflux. Mm. Um, and that is very crucial in deciding which operation somebody which, should have. So yeah. if you have pre-existing acid reflux to the point you need daily medication, you probably shouldn't have a sleeve because you're at risk of making that worse. Mm, mm. Do, do you know what? I was supposed to go in for a bypass because I had really bad acid, acid yeah? reflux yeah. and um, but he couldn't do it for some reason i don't know why um but he couldn't do it something about being too fatty and it was too to the wall i'm not quite sure i don't know the mechanics but he had to do a sleeve mm. i was so lucky because it went it literally yes. went so i was so lucky because that could yeah. have been really bad for me but yeah. no i was really lucky so it's definitely a risk and the other the other thing is that often people who um, live with obesity who come for surgery um, often they have an undiagnosed hiatus hernia so you already have a gap in the diaphragm mm. and then if you put a sleeve on top of that then the reflux can get out of control and the problem with a sleeve is that it is there's a huge number of advantages with the sleeve don't mm. get me wrong but the the problem with the sleeve is it's irreversible so once it's done it, it can't be undone so in order to get you out of crippling reflux after a sleeve you would have mm. to have probably a conversion to a bypass aha uh -huh. okay yeah that makes sense that makes sense now going back um now it's the pill balloon a lurian mm. is yes. that right so it tell is. me about that one i got it here because i've never heard of it oh there okay so this i've never heard of it, that one this is basically a little capsule, which is the okay. size of the tip of my finger. So it's not big. Mm. Um, and basically what you do is you swallow that in the outpatient clinic. So you basically have a glass of water, swallow that down. And this tubing goes down with it once you swallow it. Mm. Um, then we take an x-ray, make sure it's in the right place. And then with mm. this hanging out of your mouth, we connect it to a bag of fluid. And that capsule melts and then expands. And it expands into this. Wow. Okay. So basically, you're turning the grape into the grapefruit. Yeah. 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 Um, and this basically is fluid filled and sits in yeah. your stomach. Uh, and at four months after it's gone in, yeah, this automatically opens up, yeah. and the fluid empties, and then you just pass it out. So there is no removal procedure yeah oh, so that's it's incredible inc it's incredible technology uh and all other gastric balloons you know you have to put in with a camera and a general anesthetic and you have to remove them mm. that te that technology is just old-fashioned now this is the mm. modern way to deliver balloon therapy yeah uh, and the balloon is just the tool a bit like surgery it's just yeah. the tool you've got to work alongside it and and during that four months you have a very intensive um, dietitian led training mm -hmm. program um, with a lot of technology as well there's there's apps and scales and watches and mm. various things so you can monitor your progress 
you can um, get input to change your um, dietary habits. Um, and the idea is that once you have done that and then the balloon goes, those changes are sustainable. Yeah. And of course, in four months, because I found obviously with my surgery, you get into a routine anyway. In fact, you yes. probably get into a routine sooner. So yes. mentally, physically, you are into sort of the routine. So yeah. I'm presuming with that tool, you would definitely continue. Yes. And what's what's really important about it, and it's not this that's important, it's, it's the program. It's the daily um, checking in with your um, calorie control, your portion size, getting input mm. from a professional. Um, and that level of training and the results are motivating so that mm. people often don't want to go backwards. So when it's gone, yeah. they don't suddenly revert to old self. They want to mm. continue that mm. journey. So often we see people continue to lose weight after yeah. it's gone. And is there any side effects? Um, so it's a very safe um, thing. Uh, mm. the, the, the risk of complications is very, very low. Uh, but what we find is that 3% of people yeah. can't tolerate the balloon. So they, they oh. basically won't it won't settle they continue to feel sick um and we have to remove the balloon so there is a three percent risk that you won't be able to tolerate it mm. um which means 97 percent of people will um mm. and the this is a good percentage it is a good percentage but the expected weight loss is around about 10 to 15 percent of your total body weight okay so that's good as well yeah so, so it's it, it, feel, it feels a gap that um where people are not eligible for surgery so you mm. can have the balloon bmi 27 and above whereas surgery is 35 and above it is yeah yeah so, so oh, it so 27 27 bmi oh okay yes okay yeah. so that's good as well that's good to and know because we get a lot of questions like um i do get a lot of questions like how um, what BMI do you have to get in order to get the surgery? Because they are lower. Yes. So, so the UK guidelines is is thirty five and for mm. surgery, and that and that is purely for safety reasons. Mm. So thirty five is considered the point where the risk and the benefit is in balance. Mm. Below um, BMI thirty five, the risks of surgery are considered too high, and this is why it's very upsetting when you know you get you reject somebody for surgery on the basis of safety grounds and mm. then they fly abroad and get surgery because there's no regulation or there's no um, rules around that so um it is for safety reasons and, and and surgery cannot be taken lightly you know it's it's low risk surgery um but it cannot be taken lightly mm, mm. a lot of people do go abroad now they do they do yeah and the, the real problem with that is not not that the surgeons are a problem um the problem is there's very little aftercare and just yeah. as we said with the balloon the surgery is not the most important part of your weight loss journey it's the psychology mm. it's the aftercare it's the dietitian input and and you cannot change what might be 20 or 30 years worth of uh, problematic eating and problematic um drinking sometimes without um uh doing the work afterwards and mm. surgery won't fix that surgery will not fix that and i'm a very passionate believer that surgery won't work without those things no no absolutely not so going into that what's your aftercare i bet it's fantastic 
Yeah, so we, we're very, very proud of our aftercare. Um, so we, we basically run, for surgery, we basically run a two-year fixed thing, which is mm-hmm. um, where you um, have daily calls for the first week and then a, a physical review at week one. Mm-hmm. And then you see our nurse every three months, you see our dietitian every six months, and you see our psychologist at a year. Um, and then we have a um, lifelong support group online uh, mm-hmm. where all the patients are there. Um, and, you know, even our patients eight years post-op are still active on the group and we're still, you know, know all about their life and their marriages and their, you know, dogs. Oh, that's great. Everything. I love that. Um, so, so it's a real community. And that is wonderful because when people are struggling, even five years post-op, they yeah. just put out a post and say, guys, I'm struggling. And then everybody floods in and supports them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's really good. I like the fact that there's a community, as you say, in groups, and they all talk. And because it's, yeah. it you do need the help, you know, afterwards, and you do, you know, mental side of it, and um, keep going. And you know, if they start to put a pound on, they sort of panic and go, "Oh, I'm going to regain. Yeah. I'm regaining," and sort of help. Yeah. But what 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 you realize when you have a big community that is overseen by the professionals is that actually things that they're worried about are normal. So, um, for example, regain is normal to a certain extent. And actually, in many cases, we want you to regain a little bit because what you've got from your lowest weight is probably not your healthiest position to be in. Mm. So actually regaining a stone after a 12 stone loss is probably your body saying, I want to be at this level thanks very much i don't want to be at that yeah, level yeah so yeah. but but they're panicking because they're regaining that's absolutely true i get so many people again how do i reset i've gained you know i've gained 12 yeah. pounds what am i going to do how am i going to set yeah. it yeah that's, so, that so, is a very very common question actually and very common for people yes and and making the key, clear point that the number on the scales is not the end goal you know, the number on the scales is actually something we can document and something we can talk about it. But actually feeling better in yourself, having more self-esteem, you know, having mobility. the ability to yeah, having the mobility, having the ability to apply for that job you never thought you'd apply for. These are the crucial, you know, non-scale victories mm. that we should be focusing on, not yeah. being obsessed about a number on a scale. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm, I'm a bit obsessed by the scale. Well, everybody is, but the problem the problem with that, and I know how hard it is because all of my patients say exactly the same thing. But the problem with that is, it is it it harks back to a previous life, the previous dieting life where you were you were so disappointed and and broken every time you know the the scale said the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And what we want you to do is to draw a line in the sand. And we 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 ask our patients to to bin their scales and only weigh when they come to clinic. Aha, uh-huh. okay. So shall I bin the scales? 100%. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> um, so we're coming to the end of, you know, my questions. Um, so um, lastly, for me, tell the viewers what hospital and where you are so where they can find you. So I work out of um, Spire Gatwick Park Hospital, which is um, five minutes from Gatwick Airport, um, which is actually wonderful for us because we attract patients from all over the UK they fly in mm. for their surgeries um the best way to contact me is through Instagram I think um at weight loss surgeon so if you follow me on Instagram 
um, then you've got my links in the bio and you can get to my website and etc. That That's where I put all my education stuff and um, our mm. patient um, reports, etc. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Social. <laughs> yeah. That's well, really good. I've seen your Instagram. It's amazing. The thing, the thing about um, my field is you've got to reach the people who need the help. Uh, and the way to reach the people who need the help are to indulge yourself in that environment and mm-hmm. also understand what people are going through so if you yeah. can understand what it really means to live with obesity and i can't understand that from a personal perspective but i can understand it from my experience of being around people who live with obesity mm-hmm. so i really mm-hmm. believe that the me and my team understand the challenges mm-hmm. and if you understand the challenges you can help work on the solutions mm-hmm. i agree I agree. Absolutely. 100%. So I've got a few questions because obviously I've put out that we will be interviewing and we will speaking to you. So I have got a few questions actually from a few people. So Samantha, um, you asked, can you stretch a pouch, which everybody asks? Um, So the simple answer is yes, you can. Um, If you have a sleeve, what is nice and tight on year one, is not going to be nice and tight on year three. And part of that is just normal wear and tear. Uh, Mm -hmm. And another part of that is you might have been um, overeating or you might have been um, overdoing the the fizzy drinks because gas in fizzy drinks can really stretch up the pouch. So we try and put a ban on fizzy drinks if we can. Um, And uh, if you eat beyond fullness every time, Mm. you are going to... Uh, if you rely on that feeling like the chest pain and the fullness to, mm. to be your cue to stop, you will stretch your pouch. So you have to try and get to the point of eating before you get those stop signs. Yeah. Um, and with a with a bypass, it's less of a problem if you stretch the pouch because there are multiple mechanisms that are contributing to the weight loss. Whereas with a sleeve, it's very much centered around the stomach. Um, there are other mechanisms, but you know, once that stomach restriction has gone, mm. um, it can be difficult to get back on track. Yeah. Okay, then. So I've got to stop the fizzy drinks. I literally water, water, water for three years, three, <laughs> and um, never touched a fizzy drink because I was told not to. And yeah. then, um, nine months ago. I had to take a sip of my husband's because I've got a, a tablet stuck in my throat. Took yeah. a sip to get the tablet down. I was like, mm, that tastes nice. And then I'd have another one. That was it. Me back. The problem with fizzy drinks, apart from the gas from our perspective, is that mm. a lot of them have a huge amount of calories in them. Mm. And people don't register the calories in them because it's even not food. Even the diet ones, even the diet Coke. Well, the, the diet Coke... The, this is difficult because it's 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 not so much calories it's the the additional stuff that goes into it and the additional stuff that goes into it affects your metabolism so the Mm. chemicals in all of this sort of stuff does affect your metabolism and your hormones in your gut so all of these things are not ideal for you now i'm Mm. not saying you should not have these things because you should have whatever you like but having it in in moderation and being mindful that fizzy drinks and bariatric surgery don't go well together. Don't mix. 
yeah i mean to be honest what i'm doing since i've sort of started again and mentally right um to to do this um i am going off it slowly i don't think i can cut it out you know straight away like that but i am going slowly down and down and down and i know i'll be able to go back to water then because i like my water and that is the way to do it if you go cold turkey you'll almost certainly rebound because mm. that's what happens. So phasing it out it gradually everything. Is, is wonderful. So mm. you've got the and right, that's the same the right with food. Method. That's the same with snack. You know, mm. that's with everything, isn't it? Yeah, everything Absolutely. in moderation. Yeah. Um, so that's Samantha. Now Adrian asked. Um, oh, I spoke to Adrian literally yesterday, and that's why I thought I would um, ask yourself. Um, he's just come out of surgery, and so of course he's still got the drain. And um, it was filling up quite quickly, and he wants to know why. I know he's gone and dealt with it now, but it, he, you know, somebody else. Why did it keep, you know, regularly um, filling up again? Well, what surgery has he had? Uh, so he <laughs> had the bypass, and then he had the, um, yeah, bypass. So it's very unusual to have drains after um, primary surgery. So we wouldn't oh. use routinely use drains so if you have drains it's often a sign that the operation has been complicated or difficult right um and if there's been a complication or a difficulty then you need drains to monitor what's going on inside and if the drain is draining nice clear yellowy fluid of relatively low volume then it's okay that's kind of body fluid but if you're seeing bile or bowel content or lots of blood that's not fine um so definitely if you've got a question about a drain after surgery you must speak to your primary team did, because yeah good because who knows what went on or what exactly that's what i said get to yeah. the doctor now yeah. um, and i, now and I think if you're having large i'm sorry sorry no carry on i said i was just going to say i think if you're having large volumes coming out then you know that that needs attention Okay, yeah, well, he did, thank goodness. Um, what if it's a sleeve? Because the sleeve, obviously, you know, people have the drain as well. Is that the same reaction, same thing? We don't do drains. No, very, very rarely do people have drains have routinely drains. for a, for oh. a sleeve. Um, uh, some, so people, some, some people would um, potentially put drains in just for security um, for a few days. But most people, most surgeons in the UK at least, would not do that routinely that mm. would not be a routine thing um it, it would definitely be a thing if it's a complicated or difficult operation mm. um but the idea is enhanced recovery so we want you to come out of the operation and get walking and drinking and moving straight away and if you've got drains and catheters and tubes up your nose you can't do any of that so no. um we we don't do any of that yeah okay great um so tanya asked why is it that gallbladder operations are so common after um weight loss surgery well that's an interesting uh, one it is an interesting one and she's absolutely right um so gallstones often form after significant weight loss so you don't have to have had surgery weight loss surgery to form gallstones and often people who come to surgery have had that yo-yo dieting, you know, the five stone off, five stone on thing. And often they have gallstones without realizing. So often you go into surgery having gallstones. Um, mm. But a lot of people will form gallstones because of the weight loss. There's a change in the bile salt composition and your body will form these gallstones. 
30% of people post weight loss surgery will develop gallstones. Not all of them will become symptomatic and not all of them will need surgery. If you do need surgery, it's relatively straightforward. We can go back in, use the same holes as before uh, and, and take it out. Okay, that's interesting as well, because that is a, a regular question as well. A lot of people ask that. A lot of people speak yeah. to me about that. Um, now, um, Sandra asked, um, would she be a good, but we, I think we've answered that with the, um, with the balloon, uh, the tablet, sorry, the pill. Sandra asked, would she be a, a good candidate at 22 stone? She's five foot three, um, but does she have to have a certain BMI? But, of course, we've discussed that. Yeah, so, I think 22 stone and five foot three would probably put your BMI around the 40 mark. Um, so she would be eligible for surgery on that criteria alone. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Lily asked, her, um, when she, can she get pregnant after surgery? Because she's had the bypass and she's three months out. Very, very good question. Um, we Do definitely we definitely recommend that you wait 12 to 18 months after surgery. Okay. The primary reason is you don't want to be growing a baby when you are losing weight. Because uh, you you want to prioritize the nourishment of your growing baby, not, mm. uh, you know, while you're in a weight loss phase. Mm. Uh, and it's very, very important after a bypass that you talk to your dietitian about pregnancy um, care, because you will need supplemental vitamins in addition to the ones you're already taking. Okay, because it needs nutrition and everything, of it, course, to it, be able it to does. grow. So, yeah. So tw 12 to 18 months. Now, we have had quite a few patients um, get pregnant before that um, mark, and it's usually okay because we can guide you through it, but it does need intense monitoring by the, um, mm. by the team. Yeah, yeah. Again, um, I've had somebody that did get pregnant before and, um, you know, before the 12 months out, um, all accidental. Um, yeah. But yes, um, and I think probably because, is it because she's lost so much weight? And then yes. suddenly, obviously, you can get pregnant. So I know she found it really yeah. hard before yes. to get pregnant. Well, fertility goes up hugely. And also confidence. You know, people are feeling more body confident. People are feeling That's more... True you know happy uh and these are all reasons that, <laughs> that um, babies are made um i've just been i've just been past um a, a bmi calculation for that lady that you mentioned uh it's BMI right, okay. 50, 54 so wow. that uh is definitely eligible for surgery on that basis we don't know anything mm -hmm. more about her um but it probably wouldn't be appropriate for the balloon because no, the weight the weight Yes, the weight loss with the balloon would not be sufficient. Mm, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so Nikki said, um, how many meals should she have a day and how much should she eat a day? Because um, she had her surgery in January. Yeah, so, I mean, it depends what surgery she's had, of course, um, but mm. uh, with all sleeve and bypass, you, you generally aim for little and often so we we mm. sort of suggest that you should eat maybe four to six times a day rather than three meals a day um and it's about getting your protein in first you know you have to hit your protein target before you hit mm -hmm. your other um target because protein is what's going to give you muscle growth and is going to facilitate you feeling fuller for longer and therefore less likely to snack so uh, uh, any questions around what you should be eating etc 
you know, the dietitian and the nutritionist on the team should should advise on that. But in general mm -hmm. principle, aim little and often and get protein in first. Mm. And how much protein do you have to have a day? Just let um, everybody know. Well, Reiterate I'm, I'm, not, it. I'm not entirely sure of the exact figure, actually, um, because it does vary depending on the on the um, the patient uh, and their, their individual requirements. Um, but our dietitians would be able to tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, as again, yeah, I forgot. It is on the, the percentage and the person and yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's, I get not, that. there's not one rule for all. That's the very different. It's a very individual yeah. situation. Yeah. And, pe and people have other health conditions, you know, that, that some people have diabetes. So advising somebody who has diabetes is very different to advising someone who mm. doesn't have diabetes. Mm. So diabetes uh, type two goes down yeah. quite relatively, doesn't it? So that's it does. good. But yeah, type so, one, no, the type one is not affected because type one is a primary deficiency in the pancreas, and that's something right. that you're born with. Whereas type two diabetes is your body doesn't respond to insulin, and that's because the fat laden cells don't mm. respond to insulin so if you can make the cells responsive to insulin again mm. then the diabetes goes away um, and there is a link between obesity and type 2 diabetes yes yes of course uh, and um, surgery has been surgery has been shown to put that into remission so bypass is a stronger and preferred operation for diabetes compared to the sleeve but both of them have been shown to put diabetes into remission which means mm. off medication. I know. I've had a couple of friends that I've met through it and they have literally come off it and I'm just like, it's amazing. Mm. Um, is it better to have the bypass when you, if you've got type 2 because it's longevity? Because I know you were saying about the bypass. Yeah, so, so bypass is preferred for diabetes uh, and the reason for that is the, the degree of hormonal change that it can um, produce um, because you need to have significant hormonal change in your body to make you responsive to insulin again. And the bypass is a stronger operation than the sleeve. Right. Okay. Just one question that I didn't ask you. Sorry, I didn't show you. Um, you know, with the sleeve, is it right that you actually take some sort of hormone and then um, with that taken out, it makes you less hungry? Is that right? Everybody's telling me? Yeah, there's a hormone called ghrelin, G-H-R-E-L-I-N, which is growth hormone releasing inhibitor, to give it its full name. Um, okay. and, and that basically is produced primarily in the part of the stomach that is removed when you do a sleep. So you have less ghrelin and ghrelin affects your hunger. So you tend to be less hungry. That effect is strongest in the first year, but it's not exclusive. So um, there are other ghrelin producing places in your body. And hunger, of course, is not always down to hormones. It can be down to emotions. It can be down to behavioral stuff. So head mm. hunger versus physical hunger is a real key topic. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously, yeah, like that. Yeah, I understand that. Um, now, um, Danica said, oh, we've answered that because that's about regaining. She was um, asking how mm. does she stop the regaining? But obviously what you're saying is that sometimes your body is saying, no, 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 I want to be this this way, please. 
Absolutely. So asked about that, and we've said that. Now, um, Viv asked, I think it's, this is the last question. Um, sorry, were you going to say something? I, I was just going to say the, the key to um, considering weight regain is going back to basics. So looking at eating behavior and looking at the psychology around what's going on, and often regain is down to a loss of control in those aspects. Um, people having slider foods, people emotionally eating, uh, and there is no surgery that's going to make that better. So having surgery for weight regain is often a problem because uh, the reason you've regained are still there. The reasons you've regained are still there even after your revisional surgery. And revisional surgery is never as good as primary surgery because the stomach and the bowel are all scarred so it's not as tight if you like um so don't automatically think weight regain i must have another operation that should be the last thought mm, yeah i had the revision as you know and mm. um i maintained for the year uh because i just needed to get mentally right after the revision um for the revision um which i didn't um i now am and totally understand that you've got to get mindset again you've got to go down to basics again to get into your mindset to go with your little knife and fork and your little your little plate again chew chew yeah. chew chew leave it and yeah. you know to get back to basics basically um you've got it. basically Yep. So I have um, losing weight nicely. So it's working. And yeah. I'm sort of saying to other people as well now, this is how I've done it. And that's very interesting um, that your surgery wasn't working in theory until you got your head in the right space. So, you know, when somebody has regained, focus on that first, because often you can get your original surgery working again. Now, a sleeve, mm. a sleeve is slightly tricky because, you know, once the the food receptacle has stretched, you can eat more. So it, you don't have that. But, you know, certainly after regain after a bypass, you know, do not be going down weight loss surgery routes until you've exhausted every other possibility. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I agree completely because I do feel that I either shouldn't have had it or because I wasn't ready mentally, or I should have waited a year or just not had it at all and re reset myself with the sleeve. But I had mm -hmm. it. I'm here now. Um, and you're doing great. And I am what I am. Yeah. And doing really good now. <laughs> a year on. I'm doing, and I maintained. I didn't put all the weight on. I maintained and kept maintained. So it's great. I got here in the end. Um, and yeah, just sort of Vivian's just asked, you know, Viv said to her, um, you know, how after the operation, because she's going to have the operation, she's not had it yet. How long could she go back to work, um, exercise um, and get back into normality? So generally speaking, if everything goes well, we say mm. um, it, it depends on your job. So if you can work from home, um, sitting mm. on a computer, often people are working three or four days after surgery. Um, yeah. If you have to physically go to work, as in drive a car or um, get on a bus, uh, we say about two weeks. And if you have a very manual job where you're, you know, lifting bags of cement or something, uh, that's about four weeks post-op. Yeah. Okay. And a, 
And a lot of people want the time off to recover. So I would always, always recommend you have the maximum time mm. off. Give yourself mm. the, you know, the, and some people don't like their job. So, you know, you can sign you off for, four, <laughs> for six weeks. Let's but, take it off. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But if, you, but if you like your job and you can work from home, actually people, people can work fairly quickly. And we've had some patients who bring their work into hospital and day two post-op are, you know, sending emails and what have you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah crazy that uh, that's dedication yeah good distraction well, look, technique i know yeah absolutely that's true um so basically we've come back to the end of the questions um i is there anything else that you can think after all the questions that you think would help others or advise well i do a lot of educational stuff on my instagram um, which is also copied um, onto my Facebook, which is Weight Loss Surgery UK. But actually, Instagram, I think, is the primary um, source for these education. Just reiterate, I do lots... say it again, which uh, Instagram? It's at Weight Loss Surgeon. Um, okay. And I do um, a lot of videos about things we've talked about, about regain, about reflux, about gallstones. You know, so if people want to explore it in more detail, it's all there on, on my page at Weight Loss Great. Surgeon. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's really helpful. So they can either come back to here or they can do it all on Instagram. And I think that's fabulous. So we've come to the end. I can't believe it. That's gone around so quickly. That's and we brilliant. haven't thank even got so to the hour. But no, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate that in your time, you know, in your schedule. So that's really nice of you. No so it's been a, it's been I will pleasure. be speaking to you on Instagram anybody can speak to you and catch up with you on instagram is that right they can message you yeah no problem you. at all yeah yeah if they've got any more questions and obviously if they uh ask any questions here on youtube or any of the other platforms that we're on um then i'll bring it over to you and you can or i'll send them your way no problem i'd be delighted <laughs> all right my dear thank you very much for coming on and thank you I very will... much yeah that's all right no problem I'll speak Thank to you, you soon. Bye now. Let's